Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, We're waiting on Congressman Hank Johnson out of Georgia to join us. Uh, Congressman uh, Hank Johnson is on the House Judiciary Committee. He's also on the House Infrastructure and Transportation Committee with our own uh, Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland of the 10th Congressional District in Washington State. And we have one of our leading advocates on the line with us, and he's going to come on shortly. But I want to let everybody know, first of all, that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, ran by me and Rice, Lance uh, Lawrence Coleman, and Ms. Josie Regan, and then Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Diversity, and Inclusion, and John T. Robinson leads that organization. The City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Office, with uh, the Director Liz Alzier, she has Carol Wong, Mark Nakazaki, uh, uh, and I missed Mark's name up, I'll get it right in a minute, and Jesse Gillum, and a few other folks. And then uh, I want to give a shout out. Uh, we have the maid brigade just left my house on the screen. So I want to give them a shout out. And also, we can't appreciate the Holgate Church, uh, uh, Street Church of Christ enough for hosting the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee events uh, last Monday. At two, uh, matter of fact, Monday on the 4th was the 54th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. And Minister Jimmy Hurd and Mr. Butler and the Holgate Street. Uh, uh, Church of Christ congregation did an outstanding job in terms of help. I also want to say that there's a couple of uh, Friday. Tomorrow is uh, Good Friday. Uh, there are two things that's happening. We're going to be talking to Reverend Dr. Uh, Robert L. Jeffrey Sr. about the event. Uh, and he's hosting at 12 noon tomorrow. And then uh, on April at 7 p.m. tomorrow, uh, we will have uh, uh, Minister Terrence Proctor hosting uh, a Good Friday service at 7 p.m. Uh, kicked off by Reverend Leslie D. Braxton and, and, and closed up with uh, Bishop Reggie Ritherspoon Sr. and just other folks in the middle. And if you read the facts, you can see that. Also, uh, there are three finalists for the King County Sheriff's position. Uh, the current sister who is acting with Patty Cole Tindall. And then we have two brothers, Charles Kimball and Reginald Mormon. All three African-Americans are finalists for that position. And I don't wonder if it's because the crime rate's so high. But anyway, we've been joined by my friend, Congressman Hank Johnson from the 4th Congressional District of Georgia. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he's chair. He's uh, on the House Judiciary Committee, and he's also a member of the House uh, Transportation Infrastructure Committee, along with our own uh, Marilyn Strickland out of the 10th Congressional District. So, Congressman Hank, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing real good, uh, Mr. Eddie Rye. How are you doing today? Uh, hey, the best I can, given the current conditions, but... Uh, uh, people are going out again. Way. I've been to the store and eight out of 10 people are not wearing a mask. And I'm still a little leery about going in public uh, in transportation and other places without a mask. So uh, I know that numbers are going up and I don't want to be one of them. Well, I'm, I'm feeling the same thing. I had taken off my mask for a couple of days, uh, but then I saw where a whole lot of people were starting to come down with it. And, uh, I figured I needed to go ahead and uh, start protecting myself again. Even though I'm uh, vaccinated and boosted, uh, I haven't gotten the second booster shot yet, and, but I'm planning on getting it. And I know that while I may not get the disease, or while, while I may not get sick from the disease because I've been vaccinated, that doesn't protect me from catching it and spreading it to somebody else. And so when I wear my mask, I'm always thinking about everybody else 
and I don't want to infect anybody. So that's where I'm why I'm wearing mine. It's 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 really uh, be great if when we don't have to wear them, but we still kind of need to take precautions. Especially in D.C., seem like a lot of your colleagues have kind of come down with it, including the senator from from Georgia, uh, uh, Senator Raphael Warnock. Yeah, I was, I was talking with a colleague today whose name had not even been mentioned, who was just getting over a bout of uh, COVID. She said that she had been safe for two years, and uh, then uh, came this uh, spate out of uh, Congress or out of Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. last week, and uh, she was one of those that it hit at least 80 uh, people up in Washington, D.C., in high places uh, have been uh, diagnosed with COVID over the last week. So, I mean, that's an outbreak that could happen anywhere. You're right. You know, talking about D.C., uh, you're on the House Judiciary Committee, and uh, we have had some uh, earth-rattling revelations about uh, the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife's involvement is actually being like one of the leaders of uh, the insurrection to overthrow the United States government. Is there anything that anybody in Congress, the Judiciary Committee, or anyone else could draw some parameters on what's out of bounds for Supreme Court justices and their spouses? Well, I tell you, right now, uh, there's a piece of legislation that I introduced caused the called the Supreme Court Ethics Act, and it would require that there be a code of conduct that applies not just to the lower federal court judges, but also to the Supreme Court justices, because right now they're not covered by a code of conduct. And so they pretty much uh, take care of themselves. They call the shots and uh, they determine whether or not they will recruit, recuse themselves, and if they decide not to, like Clarence Thomas did, when knowing that his wife's text messages were wrapped up in the information that a lawsuit that was before the Supreme Court sought to uh, compel the uh, Federal Archives to release those records, which would include her text messages uh, to Mark Meadows, and he sat on that case. And even if he did not know that his wife's communications were, uh, were included in it, he should have known. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is more than just an appearance of uh, impropriety on Justice Thomas's part, but it, it really smells like high corruption. And so what has happened, uh, uh, Mr. Rye, is that his wife, Clarence Thomas's wife, has been taking money from right-wing organizations that have business that come before the Supreme Court, and her husband has been ruling in favor of those businesses. Now, what's so uh, dastardly about it is those businesses have been paying Jenny Thomas. So that means her pocketbook is an open receptacle for people with business before the court to put money into, and that money makes its way into the household, which uh, 
Clarence Thomas is a part of. He's the head of the family. He's the man of the family. And so the money that's going into her pocketbook ends up going to his benefit. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't care however you want to connect the dots. It's a direct link. And, uh, and so he has done this repeatedly, and he did it again with that case involving the records of uh, the Trump administration. He was the only justice that ruled that those records should remain sealed. It was an eight-to-one decision, almost unanimous, slam dunk. Clarence Thomas, the only one standing in the way of it, and his wife happens to be having communications within those records that she certainly wanted to keep private, I know, and uh, Mark Meadows certainly wanted to keep private, and I'm sure Trump wanted to keep private, and it looks like Clarence Thomas wanted to keep them private too. And so at this point, there's no code of ethics to, to keep him from um, doing it again. And so I've got legislation that would impose a code of ethics and provide for a mechanism whereby recusal decisions uh, can be made by or can be looked at by a independent uh, entity uh, or, or an entity other than Clarence Thomas, a, a group of judges, and uh, they could call the shot instead of leaving it to Clarence Thomas or any other justice themselves to police themselves. That It just should not be allowed to happen. Uh, where is the legislation right now? And uh, do you expect any, any support from the Republicans? Well, it does have one Republican supporter at this point. Uh, and uh, so it's bipartisan legislation. It has uh, over 80 co-sponsors now. And, um, and I think that we will be in this bill before the committee for what's called a markup where we can amend it and perfect it and after we do that and i think that's going to happen during the uh, month of may after we do that i look for this bill to come to the house floor for a vote and i think at this point given the uh the disclosures of misconduct by Jenny Thomas and Clarence Thomas, I think we have a great shot at getting this legislation passed through the, the House and, uh, and perhaps even through the Senate. Now, we keep hearing about uh, this uh, supposed uh, sweep of, uh, I guess, the House, and now they're saying the Senate by the Republicans because of the current economic conditions. Do you feel that the January 6th, uh, the attempt to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade and what's happening uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, employment and everything is on, I mean, the lowest unemployment rate, uh, people can't find workers because I guess a lot of people start working from home once they, uh, during the pandemic. So what is your estimation on how, how things are going to go? Well, are people going to have to get out and vote? I, I have confidence that people understand uh, the difference between uh, Democrats and Republicans. When Republicans are in power, the uh, wealthy 
and the corporations do quite well. When the Democrats in office, we do things to, to help working people. We're trying to cut down on costs right now. Republicans are talking about when they get in office, they're going to increase taxes on uh, on working people because uh, this Senate plan that uh, Senator Rick Scott has, uh, and Senator Rick Scott is in charge of electing a Democratic majority in the United States Senate. So he's Mitch McConnell's right-hand man. He has put forward a plan to raise taxes, on working people, and uh, his 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 thing is that he says everybody should have what he calls skin in the game, but he doesn't think that the people who work for him and his millionaire colleagues uh, have any skin in the game at this point. Uh, even though they work two and three jobs, uh, custodians and uh, hospital orderlies and people cut the grass, folks who are serving the meals in the country club. Uh, he doesn't think that they have skin in the gang. They may not be making enough to pay taxes, but they sh- sure do get that child tax credit check uh, at the, uh, you know, when they file their taxes, they get the earned income tax credit. People survive on that money, but Republicans want to tax that money while they allow corporations and wealthy individuals who can afford tax lawyers and accountants to pay nothing in taxes. And so I think people understand that if you believe that a woman should have the right to decide, make decisions over her own uh, body, and uh, when you believe that the vote should be open and unfettered for uh, all American citizens, and uh, when you look at what Republicans have done, to uh, suppress the vote and actually put in place measures that when they count the votes, they'll be able to count them however they want to count them, regardless of how people voted, uh, how the vote swung. They want to be in power and able to swing the vote to to their favor. When people understand that, they will vote uh, Democrats back in. And I'm hopeful that that's going to happen because if it doesn't, uh, our entire democracy is uh, at risk for everybody. Brother, I was hoping you'd be on on uh, on the Zoom because I got a, two of the leaders of the Northwest uh, on the air on, on the line right now. One is the Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey Sr., the senior pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, the founder of Black Dollar Days Task Force, the founder of Clean Greens Farm and Market, and also the New Hope Development Corporation. And then another brother's name is Lyle Kwasim. He's chair of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. And uh, Marilyn Strickland is a member of that collective. And so is the current mayor of Tacoma, Victoria Wooders. And uh, so uh, they meet, I've been meeting for over 50 years every Saturday morning at 8.30. So uh, I wanted them to be able to see you, but you didn't do the Zoom. So I want to introduce you to Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey Sr. And also to Lyle Kwasim. So naturally, you know, we're going to talk to Reverend Jeffrey now about the last seven words. So that's the most important thing coming up uh, for, for Christians. Uh, so, you know, Resurrection Sunday, and it all began on that Friday. So uh, I want to just have right quickly ask Reverend Jeffrey before we go to you to talk about your event on Friday, Reverend Jeffrey. You are Lyle, if you have a question for my friend, Congressman Hank Johnson, who's on the House Judiciary Committee, and he got some legislation he's been uh, 
got out there to hold Clarence Thomas into account. So I want to know if Lyle or Reverend Jeffrey have a question for Congressman Je uh, Johnson. No, I, 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 am, I am concerned about uh, him recusing himself uh, with the evidence of him having, his wife having been in uh, uh, collusion with Trump administration to overturn the election. That, that's a serious, serious thing, which I think any issue that has to do with that, he should, can Congress uh, create a situation where he can recuse, recuse himself? Well, before I don't you think got there on, are laws uh, right now that would allow that. So. Yeah. Before you got on, he has, uh, Congressman Johnson's introduced some ethics legislation that has 80 co-sponsors uh, just on the issue you just mentioned. And before, I, before we go to you, Dr. Jeff, back to you, I want to see if Lyle Costem has a question or comment for Congressman Johnson. And, and, I, and I do. Um, the Supreme Court is the least representative of the three branches of government and the least accountable of the three branches of government. And Congressman, I just want to um, uh, encourage you, support you, um, and say that those of us in the Pacific Northwest and the African-American community really support the legislation that you are uh, promulgating. Because um, when this least representative, least democratic uh, body, uh, who is, which is one of the three parts of government, uh, uh, moves in a direction that is that shows lack of ethics, lack of value propositions. Uh, someone, some institution has to to rein them in. So I really support wholeheartedly your efforts to um, to uh, 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 create a check uh, on um, the Supreme Court and specifically Mr. Thomas. Well, I think that was well said, Mr. Sims, and uh, I'm going to fight hard to. Um, Q U A S I M, Lyle Quasim. He he can oh, call me anything he wants. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry, I got you. I, I agree, sorry. I agree wholeheartedly with that too. Yeah, but we we got to do something, and uh, yeah. Congress is going to act. I know the House will act. I'm I can't speak for the Senate, but if we can't do it this year, we'll do it next session of Congress. Okay, sir. Well, I want to thank you very much for all the stuff you've been doing, and. Uh, We'll probably have your uh, your committee member mate, uh, Congressman Marilyn Strickland, on next week. I got to a little late this time. So all I can say is uh, a happy uh, Resurrection Sunday. And and, and also uh, make sure you acknowledge Good Friday. And that's what I'm going to be talking to Reverend Jeffrey about right now. So thank you very much, Congressman Johnson, for your time. We appreciate you. Right. Thank you all so much. And have a great day. Have a great Resurrection weekend. All right, thank sir. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Now we're going to go to uh, Reverend Dr. Robert L. Jeffrey, Sr., a senior pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, founder of the Black Dollar Days Task Force, founder of Clean Greens Farms and Market, and the New Hope Development uh, Corporation. So, Reverend Jeffrey, uh, you're on the front page of the facts uh, with the seven last words. So if anybody haven't seen it, it's the April 13th edition is passed, uh, yesterday's edition. So you can read about it right there. So why don't you go ahead and share with us uh, who you're bringing in and give us uh, uh, maybe the people that don't know as much about it, that need to know about Good Friday, because everybody's not a Christian, though. But go right ahead. Yeah, everybody's not a Christian. And uh, I think that um, the whole concept of Christ means we're open to all people. 
to love everybody. Um, on Friday at 12 o'clock, um, we're having a virtual, as well as people can come to the sanctuary, uh, seven last words with ministers from across the country. Uh, we have, uh, um, we have, uh, now I can't remember, we have Erica Williams, a graduate student from Harvard University who will be uh, uh, speaking. We have um, the past president of the Progressive National Baptist Convention, uh, Jemison, Dr. Jemison from Oklahoma City, who will be speaking. Uh, we have uh, uh, Bishop Charles Dickerson out of Sacramento, California, who will be speaking. Um, uh, Bishop Tyson, uh, who is president of the convention here, will be speaking. Um, we have Bishop Robinson from uh, 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 not Orlando, but um, Florida. It's not Orlando, it's Tampa, Tampa Bay, Florida. He will be speaking. And then we have the former dean of the School of Religion at Virginia Union University, uh, Dr. John Kinney. So they will be talking, of, uh, sort of giving an explanation of what uh, this season is about and in, through, the, through the seven last words of Christ on the cross. So it's going to be great. I mean, these, some, these are some uh, powerful people. So, and I think they, they can give real focus on these times and, and what this meaning is, uh, the resurrection meaning, the meaning of Christ and his resurrection is for today. So, yeah. Well, Doc, so, you, you're involved in uh, leading in so many different ways. Uh, I'd just like to have you take a minute and just talk about uh, the Black Dollar Days Task Force. Every time I say that word, the first person come to my mind is Lottie. Lottie Cross. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's synonymous with Black Dollar. Yeah, okay. yeah. She pretty much ran it for Yes, indeed. Time, and, yeah. and also, uh, you know, recently read about uh, a housing development on 17th and Jackson. You partnered with the uh, Low Income Housing Institute on. And yeah. then you've also built some townhomes. So why don't you just share with our listeners a little bit about uh, the, trajectory, the trajectory at uh, the New Hope Development Corporation. Uh, I guess pretty soon we'll be hearing about the Clean Greens Farm and Market, because that's a season that's coming up. It's about so that time. Really share that with our listeners. Well, okay. Um, you know, I had prepared uh, about five things to say about this season, but uh, I can talk about that if you want me to. No, I'm going, I want you to go ahead and finish with uh, Good Friday first. I want you to go ahead and okay. do, do well, that first. Just briefly, one of the things that this season is about is that Christ comes to deal with all our entanglements, our, our estrangements fact that we're all divided. His, his presence comes to bring unity. I know that the church today doesn't really symbolize that unity, but the original message of Christ was that we're all God's children. And uh, Paul Tillich talks about he shakes the foundations. And, and then he points up the authentic work of God is to address the oppressed, the poor, born in a manger, died as a criminal on the cross, minister to the poor and the role he also points up the role of self-sacrifice in human in humanity that we are here to serve each serve each other not ourselves and then he points up the fact of the inevitability of renewal with the resurrection and the power of and finally the power of human determination with the presence of the holy spirit which guides us today so it's a very important powerful point in uh, 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 in the history of humanity the birth and, 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 and death and resurrection of Christ. 
uh, yeah, Clean Greens is right around the road. I mean, um, we'll start planting next month. We will be harvesting in June, and uh, we're good to go. We've got about 30 CSAs already, and uh, we have about 25 young people. The young people are going to have a farm. Uh, they have two, actually two farms, one over there up Martin Luther King, behind Martin Luther King Park, and one out south. So we have a team of young people that's going to be doing those farms. And then we have the farm in Duval. Um, the, uh, the New York Development Institute is, going to, is now planning a 90-unit building um, on our campus uh, on both sides of the street. So that's coming next year. And, um, you know, I just think that um, – and we have this uh, King County Reparations Project where we're still taking uh, – we're still hearing testimonies and we're still videotaping people who come in to testify. I think now we have about 15 to 16 uh, testimonies right now on film that we've captured on film. So if anybody wanted to give your testimony about what happened, uh, Eddie, I would like for you to come in and, and be on film and a part of this whole process. Absolutely. You can yeah, count on me. You can count yeah. on me. So, I mean, we just tested, just putting all these films together. Hopefully by the end of the process, we'll have enough money to hire somebody to come in and mix it and uh, come up with something. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, well, you know, in uh, 1973, when I chaired the Central Seattle Community Council's uh, Housing uh, Committee, uh, December 1973 was the first report dropped on redlining. And I know that New Hope has some experience because during the time of urban renewal, of black removal, uh, the city of Seattle forced uh, Dr. Williams to sign off uh, for $31,000, a whole block that's right across from New Hope. And hopefully that uh, the mayor and everybody else on the city council will work towards uh, giving that property back to New Hope because it's only the only fair thing to do. So uh, I don't know if you've been talking to Larry Gossett, but uh, he's planning a meeting here on the 6th and 7th of May on around reparations. Have you been in in talk with him conversation? Yeah, I'm going to have Larry on to talk about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the seventh is going to be the day of my brother's memorial service. So I won't mm -hmm. be there, but I definitely will uh, promote the event. Okay. And once again, uh, Dr. Jeffrey, we really appreciate all the things you're doing. And I'll I let folks you know Eddie. that if you want to get more information uh, on uh, uh, the seven last words from the cross uh, that's going to occur tomorrow at noon, you can pick up uh, this week's edition of the Facts newspaper. We have guys, we have preachers from California to Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can see them too because I've been just bad guys and, and women and women. Absolutely, absolutely. We've well, always been uh, upfront in terms of making sure that uh, you were shoulder to shoulder with ladies. That's why I mentioned they remember Lottie Cross and and your oh, able yeah. assistant, Miss Cassandra Oaks. Yeah, who I've been working with a lot. So, thank you for the letters, Doc, on uh, the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative. No, uh, no, no. Trying to get that those funds to well, I mean, I'm, people I'm, digital yeah. technology, and we appreciate you being on the committee. I appreciate you your support. Inviting me to the show. Okay, so I will see you. Well, I'll see you tomorrow at noon. I might not be there, but I'm sure we'll be on the yeah, screen. To okay, sir. Because these some bad, these some bad people. <laughs> right. I mean, they're good. They're good. All right. I, <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you. you. Have a good evening. Bye -bye. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come back with my main man from Tacoma, Pierce County, Mr. Lyle Quasin. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. 
The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Uh, Eddie Ryan back at Riverport Northwest with my next guest, who is the distinguished chair of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elective. His name is Lyle Kwasim. And not only is he chair of the Black Elective, he's on about 25 other committees as well. I don't know how he does it, but we need him at each one of those committees to make sure there's fairness and equity for his people. So welcome, Lyle Kwasim. Uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about what you want to talk about? Thank you very much, uh, Eddie Ryan. I appreciate being um, uh, able to come on in your program. I just want to give the listeners a, a quick overview of what's happening at the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. Uh, we've been uh, engaged in weekly meetings for uh, 52 years. Uh, and so, you know, we um, uh, really engage this process. And every Saturday now that we meet uh, virtually, we have uh, at least 100 people who come to the meeting. And I'm really appreciative of the people from Seattle who join us in the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. They really added a lot of, of, of talent and, and perspective and uh, intellectual capacity to our meetings. The, the, the Black Collective works on uh, five areas, primarily education, social and legal justice, politics, economic development, and health. And currently, uh, I'll just give you a, um, uh, a, a, a brief um, um, example of each one of those areas. In education, we're doing a retrospective about, about the degree of learning loss because of COVID-19 in the, for the last academic year for Black kids. In social justice, uh, the Pierce County Sheriff, Ed Troyer, his trial begins on July 11th, and he's been charged with filing a false report and making false or misleading statements to a public servant. Uh, Ed Troyer uh, profile followed, uh, endangered an African-American uh, paper delivery uh, 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 employee. Uh, he is the sheriff, and he can't tell the difference between people delivering papers 
and somebody um, doing nefarious uh, and illegal activities at somebody's house. Endangered this, this gentleman's life, had over 40 police officers come. Some of them had pulled their service revolvers, uh, and he told uh, a, um, the uh, 911 dispatch that his life had been endangered when his life had not been endangered. Well, anyway, his trial begins uh, July 11th, and that's one of the things that our Social and Legal Justice Committee is looking at. Um, in politics, we're engaging in the litigation that's challenging the current redistricting uh, boundaries that were, that were uh, uh, put together for the state of Washington. In economic development, we have a new business navigator position to assist Black businesses in Pierce County. And in health, we have a tutorial, a consultation every Saturday, every Saturday uh, around health issues. And we are led by Sabrina Chambers of the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department and Seattle's own Dr. John Vassell. Um, they are there every Saturday talking about issues of health uh, for the African-American community. So a hundred of us gather every Saturday. Uh, these are some of the things that we engage and we've been doing this for over 50 years. And we're trying to move the needle. Uh, and in some cases we have significantly moved the needle and in other cases, uh, not so much. I think we've done fairly well in politics. We've had, uh, we will have had uh, 16 years of uh, African-American female leadership in the position of mayor. Uh, we have an African-American police chief. We have African-American fire chief uh, in the city of Tacoma. We have key people in positions in education. Uh, the um, president of University of Puget Sound is African-American. The president of the University of Washington, Tacoma, uh, Sheila Lang, who comes from Seattle, uh, is now our new chancellor. Uh, Ivan Harrell uh, uh, is the president of Tacoma Community College, our largest of the five community colleges in Pierce County. And so we have been moving the needle in, in many places. And there are other places we have. Uh, well, we have. Okay. I just want to say Marsha Runga is the dean of Evergreen State College Tacoma campus. Absolutely. Absolutely. My bad. And thank you, Eddie. And, and the reason Eddie knows that, the reason Eddie knows that, not is he only got uh, hip deep into Seattle politics. He is a uh, honorary Tacoma. <laughs> we claim Eddie uh, uh, from the top of his head to the bottom of his shoes. So thank you, Eddie, for that correction. Yeah, you know, uh, there are a lot of people that do a lot of work. Like I think, think about people like uh, Christina, uh, and I think about uh, Corbett uh, Mosley. Yes. And uh, Ellen, who, uh, been, who's been uh, MC, uh, moderating the meetings. Yes. So could you just talk about some of those folks and what they do and what they contribute? So, so, so um, uh, uh, Eddie referred to me as the chair of the Black Collective. So every Saturday, I go to the top of my house, stand on the roof, and jump off. And I have never hit the ground. Uh, Christina Blocker, uh, Corbett Mosesley, uh, Michael Jordan, Ellen Smith. I mean, these people suit up, show up, come to play. And this is an all-volunteer organization. We raise primarily our own money. We support ourselves. We don't have to turn to anybody that, that is a funder that we have to say, oh, my God, we don't want to upset anybody or lose a staff position. We do this as volunteers. 
And uh, those are some tremendous talents. These people uh, have jobs and families, and they dedicate endless hours uh, to uh, support initiatives for African-Americans in, in Pierce County. They're not at the head table. They're not at the podium. You won't see them on the five o'clock news, but they are working every day. And, uh, and I'm a member of uh, uh, the Tacoma Pierce County Black Elective Economic Development Committee with my chairman, Bill Dickens. And uh, that's a fan. And I, as I mentioned during the break, when people call me about starting an organization or how to gather people, I suggest to them, tune into the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective for one month, every Saturday. And after you listen to them, then you come back to me. Well, some of them said, well, after we heard all that, we didn't need you anymore, which was good <laughs> for me, which means they got it. Okay. That's right. which is great. Right. Right. But I'm here to, here to help. But I would suggest to anybody in the listening audience right now, if you want to start an organization, you need to tune into the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective for a few meetings and see how things are conducted. So you have uh, people like uh, 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 Legally Black. Uh, I can't remember uh, 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 my man's organization. Uh, Less Pier Less. Uh, he's involved with, uh, he has a, uh, I think he's involved with the or, or environmental stuff and also yes, yes, doing some yes. other work on the streets. Can you talk about some of the folks and some of the uh, committees, what kind of work they're doing? So, so here, here, you know, one of the first things I, I, I'd like to say is that this is a serious organization, a serious organization that takes matters very seriously. And we have the ability to move and we have the ability to impact systems. But we are also, a, this ain't the owing at all. I mean, you will not come to the Black Collective and walk away saying, oh my God, I don't think we can do this. Or isn't this, uh, we, we make a joyful noise uh, every Saturday about things that we can do, things that we can in fact accomplish, goals that we can set, goals that we can meet. Uh, we have um, uh, people like Wayne Williams uh, who has led our Black History Month for the last eight years. And we talk about uh, the contributions of Black people to dance and music and art. Uh, it is a fulfilling hour and a half each Saturday where we greet each other, talk about our issues, um, uh, engage uh, people who have significant expertise. Uh, we have uh, people with MDs, we have people with GEDs. It is not an elitist organization. It is not a highly stratified organization. And we say the best idea leaves the table, no matter who promoted that idea. We move at the speed of trust and we have found the ability to trust one another. Um, so when we look at our various committees, I mentioned uh, Sabrina Chambers and Dr. John Vassal, Les Poe uh, is a, uh, a significant uh, warrior for social justice. He's working and his committee uh, they're about to put one of the largest uh, supply operations in the United States, in, in, in the city of Tacoma, right over an aquifer uh, that will endanger the, the, the healthy drinking water of people, uh, the number of trucks and uh, diesel emissions for those folks going back and forth. Uh, less is leading uh, that part of the, 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 the struggle for the Black collective. And, and so we have these heroes to just step up and, 
they don't want fame. They don't want fortune. They just want to uh, engage our community on behalf of African-American people. And, and Eddie, let me just say one more last thing. Yeah. This is a, a lesson in civics, uh, in civics, on how to be present in your community, how to be present with one another, and how to do it in a way that uh, shows that we can be successful when we take on these challenges. And you know, the other thing is that uh, with all the Manny Ellis stuff, uh, Legally Black, uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're involved as well as uh, the Washington Equity Now Alliance, because I've heard, I guess, uh, attorney uh, Karama Hawkins is running for, uh, for yes. uh, judge, and but she's online talking about if anybody knows any black attorneys that's interested in working for her firm uh, as a public defender in federal way, uh, you, you can give her a call or give me a call. Tanisha, so Tanisha Hosenkrantz from Legally Black um, stepped up uh, with Will Hauser, and they are now in the room with the labor negotiations for um, uh, local six of the Tacoma Police Department. I mean, you, you talk about understanding how to maneuver, engage systems, and make an impact on those systems. These people, uh, you know, nobody gets paid to do this. They just suit up, show up, come and play, and give us their expertise, their intellectual capital, and on behalf of African-American people all over the state, but specifically in Tacoma and Pierce County. Whatever happens in that the Black Collective usually spreads across the state anyway, especially now that you have... Uh, uh, and I guess even when we go back to meeting in person, you're still going to have Corbett and folks uh, zooming so that all the people yes, have yes, a chance yes, to, to listen yes. and get some ideas on how to conduct their business. Well, Mr. Chairman Lyle Quasi, I want to thank you very much for your time and information today. Hopefully some people got some ideas about uh, organizing because we can never organize enough, especially when Black folks are getting one half of 1% in the contracts and stuff, and even worse than that in education. And if you saw the NC2A tournament, you saw all black folks on the basketball floor and all the all white student section. So anyway, sir, I will see you on uh, on Saturday morning at 830, Lyle. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Eddie. All right, now. Okay, my next guest is nationally known because anytime you're on the front page of the Baltimore Times uh, uh, two weeks ago and then uh, on the Seattle Medium last week, and all this stuff about what happened at the Oscars, I can't help but say it, but the Baltimore Times article is about Jamie Elmore, my next guest, salon owner, founder of the Alopecia Support Group. She, and also the publisher of Ball Life Magazine, she had Jada Pinkett Smith come to her for counseling. So I'm not going to tell too much of your business, Jamie, but uh, those things were already in print. So I felt safe by saying that. So Jamie Elmore, why don't you give us an update on what you're doing and what's up? Thank you so much for having me, Mr. Rye. And let me just add that uh, Ms. Pitt, Ms. Jada uh, Pickett-Smith didn't come for, for counseling, um, was more so of support. And that's what I did is I gave her some support and welcomed her into our community. But we have a lot of good things going on. Um, coming up in June, we will have our second parade. We will be in Annapolis, Maryland. We'll have people flying in from all across the country and we'll be marching in the Juneteenth Parade. And then we also will be releasing um, our next magazine. Um, who is the week? Who is, who's, who's marching? Uh, the Ball Boss Community. I'm sorry. The Ball Boss Community. Yes. Let me get it right. 
Devolve Boss Community. And then next week we'll be releasing um, our magazine. And what's so awesome about this is so timely because we will be featuring couples. You'll get to read and hear about um, couples um, walking the journey with, uh, with alopecia and being in a relationship. So we'll be doing that. And then at the end of May, Mr. Rye, I will be releasing my first anthology book called Alopecia, His Story, Unheard Voices. And so I have four co-authors and these men, my brothers will be talking about their stories and this has never been done. And so we're making history again. So we're just excited about what's going on and um, how we are making an impact in the community and the world actually. Well, you know, I had to get a couple of people close to me straight about alopecia. I won't mention no names or anything like that, but you know who I'm talking about. Uh, the word, uh, well, people get alopecia because they use hair relaxer. And you just had that uh, video, which I shared, this young girl, about eight years old, and you just told me recently, uh, there's an 18-month-old baby that has alopecia and not hardly old enough to relax their hair, but these myths need to stop. Why don't you share with our listeners what are the full effects of alopecia? Well, first of all, alopecia is an autoimmune disease. It's where your, your immune system attacks your hair follicle and you can lose hair, have spot balding or total hair loss, okay? And it's something that can happen to anybody, any age, it doesn't discriminate. And it's not necessarily, um, the root cause is not necessarily um, a chemical or uh, something that happens um, in the hair salon. It is your immune system. Your immune system cannot recognize your hair, and so your hair falls out. And there's a, you know, different types. There's alopecia areata, where you just have bald spots, like I started out. Then you have alopecia totalis, where you just lose the hair on your head. And then you have alopecia universalis, in which I have now, where I have lost all body hair, eyelashes, nose hairs, eyelashes, and everything. And so um, there are definitely a lot of myths, and I think people just need to be more educated and know that it's something that is not our choice. It's not a choice that we choose to have alopecia. It just happens to our bodies. Well, since I'm a member of the alopecia support group, and I know you, I can correct anybody putting out misinformation because you have trained me well. So, uh, Jamie, talk about some of the folks you've helped. There's one story that was absolutely amazing. And a uh, matter of fact, Lewis Rudd and Faith Amizel's actually flew the mother and daughter up here. And I know you had a big event. I've walked through it over, I think it was at uh, it's, uh, South Shore Community Center or something. And anyway, yes. uh, you had all these folks doing makeup and stuff like this. Could you share that story and also comment on a couple of other people who have called you for support? Yes, thank you so much. So yes, this young lady lived in Paris, Kentucky. She found me on, on Facebook, reached out and said she was going through alopecia. She needed some support. And I told her I needed to speak with her mother. We did a video call and found out that was the first time that she had ever seen anybody with alopecia. So I started working with her and um, make a long story short, she was dealing with bullying, getting teased, and she tried to take her life. And when I found that out, it, it rocked me to my core. And I called Mr. Lewis Rudd, which is my brother. I called him brother and told him what the situation was. And he just asked me, he said, Elmore, what do you need? And I said, I need to get this baby to Seattle. I need to love on her and um, provide some services for her. So Ezell's famous chicken, they wrote a check, flew the baby and her mother to Seattle, Washington, put them up in a hotel for five days. We loved on them, donated a wig, 
makeover eyebrows, um, loved on her mother as well. And her life was changed and she graduated from high school a year later. Oh. Now, the other thing we're hearing is that recently, uh, I think you had an article where you were talking about alopecia is the uh, cause of many suicides. Can you uh, delve into that for a minute? Yes. Um, it's really interesting because people don't understand the, the psychological and trauma that comes with, with alopecia. So you can imagine going to bed and waking up the next day and you don't have any hair. You don't know, you know what's going on. So if you are a woman or even a man, you cannot... Even for me, I couldn't recognize the woman or the person that was reflecting from the mirror. And so you start dealing with, with uh, so many questions, um, low self-esteem. And, you know, for my babies, especially, you know, they get the bullying and they can't handle the pressure. And so it becomes, you know, it's not a, I'm not excusing um, suicide. I'm not saying that it's an option, but when people feel hopeless, when people are being teased, when society tells you, um, the definition of uh, beauty and you don't know which way to go or you're not surrounded around a support system or a community of people like we have um, created, you get to the point to where enough is enough. And unfortunately, a lot, a lot of young people have committed suicide and um, are contemplating that on a daily basis, unfortunately. Now, I want to know, uh, and a lot of people want to know, they saw the Baltimore, Baltimore Times article how did this whole relationship thing come with you and Jada Pinkett Smith? Well, actually, um, her producers reached out to us back in August of last year, and they wanted to do a uh, surprise um, birthday event for her, and they wanted us to welcome her into the Ball Boss community. And she had no clue, but they also told us that she was dealing with alopecia and she was having a hard time. And so um, I scheduled it and I got around 24 women and little girls from around the country. And we were guests on her show and we just welcomed her with open arms and just let her know basically that she wasn't alone. And so that's how that got started. And I, I believe that, you know, Jada was, you know, her being in Hollywood, you know, it's hard enough, you know, just the pressure from that. But then someone who had long hair going to where she is now, that definitely has been traumatic for her, um, I can say firsthand. Yeah, and I know another member of Congress, uh, a couple, about three years ago, I took a picture of she had a long flowing black wig on, and then she decided to come out. That's uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. Have you had a chance to talk to her? Oh, yes, we are real good friends. Um, Ashley, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, she tells me to call her sister. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. She was on the cover of volume four of our magazine. I did a live interview with her. We had a good conversation. She she talked about the, the Crown Act that she was trying to get passed. And she's an amazing woman. And you know, my, my goal is to be able to continue to work with her so we can bring more awareness. So I just absolutely love everything about her. Yeah, because we had that one picture. But anyway, I'm glad that uh, you know you convinced her to do the right thing. So Jamie Elmore. Uh, founder of the Alopecia Support Group, the publisher of Black uh, Ball Life Magazine, and a salon owner. I want to thank you for your time and your information today. We appreciate you, and we'll be talking with you again soon. Well, thank you. Matter of fact, I will send you my pictures. I get on Ball Life Magazine. So, remember the Alopecia Support Group. Please, sir. Please. Oh, you got thank it you so today. much. Okay. All thank right. you, Jamie. Okay. Appreciate you. Okay. Okay, uh, Eric. We're going to take this last break before we uh, round them out here. 
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. All right, A.D. Ryan closes out Urban Forum Northwest once again. I want to thank the Port of Seattle's University Contracting Office, Sound Transit's Office of Social, uh, Social Rights, uh, Diversion and Inclusion uh, with John Tay Robinson, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office. And thanks to the Maid Brigade for coming through my house today. I want to say tomorrow you can check out uh, the seven last words. Uh, it will be a virtual seven last words uh, from the New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, uh, speakers from around the country. And then uh, at 7 p.m. at the church by the side of the road, hosted by Reverend Terrence Proctor, uh, there will be a number of speakers there, including Reverend Dr. Leslie D. Braxton, Bishop Reggie Witherspoon, and others. And uh, Reverend Terrence Proctor, there's a gentleman by the name of J.B. Proctor, uh, who officiated uh, my good friend Dorothy Howes Jr.'s uh, funeral service on Tuesday. And he, his name is J.B. Proctor. He's a dynamic young preacher from the from uh, uh, Church by the Side of the Road. He informed me that he was your nephew. He is a rising star, if not a star already. So uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And uh, if you're a Christian, don't forget Resurrection Sunday and what it meant to you. And also don't forget to partic- participate and uh, Good Friday service, you got a choice from 12 o'clock, or you can go to the 7 p.m. service at Church by the Side of the Road. The 12 o'clock service is Reverend Dr. Uh, Robert Jeffrey uh, Sr. And uh, Eddie Rice, and he'll be talking with you again next week. Thanks so much, Eric. Appreciate you.